0: It's day seven of 21 days of hunger. And I want to talk to us today um, about prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. That's what we're doing now. We are concentrating ourselves together to pray and seek the Lord. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there is a short, simple verse sandwiched between: rejoice always and in everything give thanks. And this short, simple verse tells us to pray without ceasing. Can we say that together? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So throughout the Bible, we see that God's people, we are commanded to pray at all times. We're commanded to pray when we're up, when we're down, when we're joyful or we're going through sorrow, when we're in pain or when we're healthy. In everything, in every situation, we are encouraged in the Word of God to pray and to seek God, no matter what our, our situation. That we can cast, this is good news, that we can cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Amen? To be anxious for nothing but to let our requests be made known unto God, right? And the peace of God, which passes understanding, even though we can't figure out and understand what we're, what's going on, God will give us peace to know that he's sovereign in our lives. Amen? And Psalm 46 says he is a very present help in our times of trouble. How many believe that? If you've ever been in trouble, he is a very present help in that time. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. The prophet said, God said through the prophet, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. You can't even imagine what God wants to do in your situation when you call out to the Lord. Amen? How many believe that? Yes? yes. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Come on, stay awake now. Don't. I know you haven't eaten for a week, but stay with me now, alright? You're gonna get fed right now from the Word of God, right? We need to, we need to, we need to remind ourselves of the importance and the opportunity that prayer gives us because remember there is an enemy that we have that does not want us to pray there is an enemy that we have that will do everything he can to keep us from prayer why because when you pray you defeat you defeat the attack of the enemy in your life amen you can stop the attack of the enemy on your life on your family's lives, on your children's lives, and whatever the enemy wants to do. The enemy will give you every reason not to pray. The enemy will tell you you're too tired, you're too busy, you have too much going on. He'll tell you it doesn't work. God hasn't answered your prayer before, so he's not going to answer your prayer now. God's not listening to you. The enemy will tell you whatever he can to keep you from praying, praying. But it's not just the devil that wants to keep us from prayer this world in which we live doesn't want you to pray. This world will tell us that prayer is a private affair. It's something that's just between you and God, right? And this world will tell us that our kids shouldn't be praying in school, that athletes shouldn't pray on the field, that you shouldn't pray in work, right? That civic leaders shouldn't pray in public. And if you do, the world will say, certainly Do not be so offensive that you would pray in the name of Jesus. In fact, the world may not even mind if we pray, as long as we don't mention the name of Jesus. How many have noticed that, right? But you know what else doesn't want us to pray? Your own flesh doesn't want you to pray. It's true. Jesus said in Matthew 26 to his disciples when he took them into the garden, he told them, watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? How many know about the flesh? Anybody here? Okay, about 10 people? All right? The flesh. We all got the flesh. The flesh is why it's hard for you to get up in the morning and pray. It's the flesh. The flesh doesn't want to get up in the morning and pray. The flesh is why it's hard for you to get to a prayer meeting, because your flesh doesn't want to go to a prayer meeting. The flesh is why you don't want to do 21 days of hunger, because your flesh doesn't want to fast and pray. Your flesh wants bacon and eggs, right? Come on, be honest, right? Bacon and that's what your flesh wants. Your flesh doesn't want to fast, Your flesh and Jesus acknowledges this. He acknowledged this. He said, the spirit is willing. There's something in you that is hungering and craving for more of God. But if your flesh is stronger than your spirit, you'll have a hard time sensing what your spirit man wants, and your flesh will dominate you, and you will not get up in the morning and pray, and you will not come to Wednesday nights and pray, and you will not do 21 days of hunger. Why? Because you'll be walking in the flesh. But understand this, if you are going to see breakthrough in your life, if you're going to see turnaround in the lives of your kids or in your finances or in your body, you need to push through all of this resistance, the resistance of the enemy, the resistance of the world, the resistance of your own flesh, and you've got to get to a point where you can pray. Everybody say pray. Pray. Prayer is key. So today, I want to speak to you. From the topic, three lies that keep us from prayer. This is a topical sermon, and it's something that's just been on on my heart this past week, talking about three lies that will keep us from prayer, right? Let's just go through them. Lie number one, the first lie that you will be told, either from the, the world, the devil, or your own flesh, is that you are too much of a sinner to pray. That's a lie. That's a lie. Right? You'll feel this in your heart from time to time, that you're too sinful. You've made too many mistakes. You've fallen too much to pray. But everybody say, that's a lie. And the devil loves this one. In fact, the devil will often quote scriptures about this one to keep you out of prayer. Psalm 66 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. And so the devil is quick to bring up our past and all of our mistakes and all of our failures to get us to a point where we might even acknowledge, yes, I know that I'm, I'm forgiven. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm accepted by God. I know that I have access to the throne of grace, but I still sin and, and I still fall and I still have temptation and I, I feel too ashamed to come to God and pray. The enemy loves this one. The Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren. You know the devil is your accuser? Bible says that he accuses us before the throne of God day and night, right? That's what the devil does. He tempts us to sin, causes us to fall, and then he kicks us when we're down. How many have ever noticed that, right? He'll cause you to fall, and then he'll kick you when you're down and make you feel. But let me, let me remind us of a simple foundational truth that is key to understand when we go to prayer. When Jesus died on the cross he took your sins and my sins upon himself he paid the price of our guilt the greatest verse in the bible i believe is second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 it says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him hallelujah let me explain that what does it mean he Meaning God, God the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin. What does that mean? It means that God the Father treated Jesus as though he committed every sin that has ever been committed by every man and every woman and every child who has ever lived. Though in fact, Jesus never committed one. Hanging on the cross, Jesus was holy and harmless and undefiled. Hanging on the cross... Jesus was fully God the Son, pure and perfect in every sense. But God the Father is treating him, let's make it personal, he's treating him as though he had lived my life and your life. And God punishes Jesus for my sin, then turns around and treats me as though I had lived Jesus' life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the great doctrine of vicarious substitutionary sacrifice. Vicarious meaning in the place of another. Substitutionary meaning Jesus went for my, for, as my substitute. Sacrifice meaning he gave his life instead of me giving my life. Hallelujah. And what we get from the cross is complete forgiveness... Being covered by the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at Christ, he sees you and your sin. And when God looks at you, he sees Christ and his righteousness. Philippians 3.9 says, Being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God through faith. Amen. What does that mean? When you approach the throne in prayer, it is not because you have earned or you have deserved the right to approach the throne of God. It's not that you have proven how good you are. It's only because, listen, the only reason that you and I can approach the throne of God in prayer is because we are dressed in the righteousness of Christ. That's it. And even in those moments where we fall short and we stumble and fall, 1 John chapter 2 says, brethren, I don't want you to sin. No man should sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is a propitiation, who is an offering for not just your sin, but for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. He's an advocate. What does that mean? Advocate is a legal term. It's talking about a lawyer. Right? A lawyer, an advocate. That's someone who goes to court on your behalf. And it's like there's this courtroom scene in heaven, right? Where where the devil is accusing the brothers, you and me, every day before the throne of God. And the devil is saying they're not worthy of healing. They're not worthy of miracles. They're not worthy of answered prayer. But you know what happens? Jesus steps up on our behalf. And God the Father looks at our lives and says, how do they plead? And Jesus says, they plead the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we mean when we say plead the blood. How many have ever said that? I'm going to plead the blood. Amen. I plead the blood of Jesus. I am not guilty. I know I have fallen. I know I have sinned. I know I'm a sinner. But you know what? I plead the blood. And so we approach the throne of God, not based on our righteousness or our goodness, but because we're dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And that's why Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So Jesus is saying to us this morning, in this 21 days of hunger, Yes, I see where you've fallen short. Yes, I see where you may have sinned and you have done done some bad. I see every lust, every bad word, every evil thought. But in those times, Jesus says, I still invite you to come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and grace to help in your time of need. Why? Because you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Isn't that good news? The devil is a liar. When the devil says, you are too much of a sinner, you can just tell the devil, but I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and I plead the blood, and I come to the throne of grace boldly, without shame, without embarrassment. I come with confidence and boldness knowing that my advocate, hallelujah, has dressed me in his righteousness, and I can bring my request before the Lord. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Come on, somebody give God praise. That's awesome. We have access to the throne of God. But then there's a second lie, lie number two. The second lie that we hear is this. You're not spiritual enough to pray. You're not as spiritual as some of those other people. You're not as spiritual as as Pastor Linda or Pastor Chris or some of the leaders in the church, or some of the people, right? And the enemy will bring us into this game where we compare ourselves to other people and we feel inferior to other people and we feel like we're not spiritual enough to pray. But I want you to know that that is a lie. Everybody say it's a lie. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told the story of two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee which is a religious leader, all right, in that day. Very righteous, very holy, fulfilled all the laws, all the commandments. And the other was a tax collector. Tax collectors were people who were kind of on the, 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 the bottom rung of society, all right? They were hated, they resented. It's a type for being a sinner, right? Someone who's cast out. And then it says in Luke eighteen eleven, the Pharisee, Stood and prayed thus with himself. Isn't that interesting how it says that? Prayed with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, on the outside, this Pharisee, he looked and he sounded more spiritual than the other guy. He was a religious leader. But God is not interested in how religious we appear to be. He's not interested in how eloquent our prayers can be formatted. Amen? Don't ever be intimidated to pray because you're around real spiritual people. God's not impressed by spiritual people. How many you know what know I'm talking about? God's impressed by what? He's impressed by humility. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Right? God's interested in the cry of our hearts. The desperation of our soul that reaches out to God in weakness and in humility, just like the tax collector who humbled himself and said, Be merciful to me, O God. To Be merciful to me, God. I'm just a sinner. He didn't care what he sounded like. He didn't care who was impressed or unimpressed. None of that mattered. He wasn't praying with himself. He was praying to God. He knew that he had an audience to God. And when we get around other people, we got to stop praying to those people. Like we're trying to impress them. Amen? Right? And we need to realize that we basically have an audience of one. Hallelujah and humble ourselves. That's what God is looking for. And listen, this is what fasting is really all about. Fasting is the act of humbling ourselves for God's favor. That's what uh, fasting is. Contrary to what many think, fasting is not about proving how spiritual we are and earning favor with God, or showing God how deserving we are of his answers because of our our fasting. No, no, no. Fasting is just the opposite. Fasting is humbling ourselves by depriving our bodies of that which feeds our strength. Look, if I'm trusting in my strength, then I'm going to do the opposite of fasting. I'm going to bulk up. I'm going to maintain my strength by feeding on steak and eggs and French toast and hamburgers and pancakes and I'll move on. I can see them, right? But by depriving myself of what feeds my strength and what boosts my strength and what makes me strong, I'm saying to God, God, I don't rely on my strength or how good I am, or how spiritual I am, or how powerful my prayers are. We're saying, God, I am weak, and I am deficient, and I need you, and I'm, I'm emphasizing how weak I am by depriving myself of that which makes me strong, and I'm emphasizing, I'm amplifying my need on your strength and your provision and your blessing in my life. Fasting is an act of humiliation before God. So listen, when you feel unspiritual and undeserving and inadequate and like you're not enough, you ever, I've, there's kind of a movement now in the, in, in the church, this movement where we're supposed to tell ourselves that, you know, you are enough. People telling themselves, you are preachers even saying you are enough. I'm here to tell you, church, you're not enough. And I'm not enough. No, no, no. I am deficient. I am empty, I am broken, I am weak. It's only through His strength. His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. In my weakness, in my deficiency that I declare unto Him, His strength is revealed in my life. Amen? So when you're feeling that weakness, when you're feeling that inadequacy, it's an opportunity for you to be like that tax collector and lift up your hands and say, God, Be merciful to me. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a weakling, Lord God. I don't have what I need, Lord God. I'm crying out to you in desperation. Amen? Hallelujah. So, are you, you're not good enough to pray? Well, you're not spiritual enough to pray? Well, the reality is none of us is spiritual enough, and that's why we need to pray. Are you hearing that? Amen? Then there's a third lie. That keeps us from prayer, and it's this lie: that God doesn't care if you pray. The devil tells us if he did care, then he would have answered your prayer. How many have ever heard that one? Yeah. But it's a lie. Everybody say it's a lie. God does care about you, and he wants to hear your prayers. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. There again, we see that act of humility that brings the favor of God. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he what? He cares for you. God cares. And God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, and not yet. Amen? Now, when he answers yes, that's great. We love that. The healing comes, you get the job, whatever you're asking for, you receive. We love the yes. Amen? Come on, don't act so spiritual. I know you love the yes, right? Come on, just tell somebody, I love the yes. I love it when God says yes, right? When he answers no, that's a little harder, right? And sometimes God answers no. David prayed for his infant son to survive, but he died. Job prayed for God's blessing and protection on his family, but still the enemy attacked. Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Talking about the cross, right? But in that moment, he got a no from the Father because he had to go to the, to the cross. Sometimes God's will will be a no. But understand, it's not just a no, it's actually... I have something better that you can't see. Amen? It's not just a simple no. It's a, there's a reason. I'm doing something, right? It may not make sense to you, but know that I'm the God who works all things together for the good according to my purposes. Amen? But sometimes what feels like a no can often be a not yet or a wait. And it's not that he doesn't care and it's, it's, not, it's not that he's being, you know, callous and, and hard. It's that it's just not his timing. He's a God of timing, amen? In Luke chapter 16, uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, Jesus spoke a parable, and he said that he was trying to teach men that they ought to always pray and not faint or give up. Isn't that a good word? That we should always pray and not give up, not lose heart. And then he gave an example. He said, there was a certain, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said to himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her... Continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? The point of this story is not that God doesn't care. The point is that the widow kept coming. The continual coming of the widow, her persistence provoked a response from the judge. And Jesus is saying that if you don't receive an answer to prayer, keep coming. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Amen? It's called the power of persistence. Old school Pentecostals, we got any old school Pentecostals here today? Right? Old school Pentecostals, we used to call it praying through. Everybody say praying through. Praying through, right? You're going through a hardship, you have to pray it through. You have problems in your family, you got to pray it through. Right? You have sickness, you got pain, you have loss in your life, you need to pray through it. Everybody say push. You know that acronym, right? Push, pray until something happens, right? Pray it through. That's old school Pentecostalism, right? Now, I'm all into, you know, what's new and progressive. That's cool. I'm into that. That's fine. Let's see. What, but you know what? There's some old stuff that we can't let go of. And one of the things that we can't let go of is persisting in prayer and provoking God through persistence in our faith and pushing, praying until something happens. Amen. And that's why we have 21 days of hunger, so that we can, we can recapture some of those old disciplines, right? Some of those old Pentecostal truisms where we don't just pray once. Sometimes we got to keep praying. we got to keep pushing. we got to keep asking and seeking and knocking. Amen? Amen? Asking and seeking and knocking. How many of you have ever gone to someone's house and you went to visit them and you went up to their door and you went like this? You don't do that. You don't just knock once. You keep knocking. You keep knocking, you keep knocking, right? Until the door opens, amen? Because you know they're probably hiding from you because they don't want to talk to you, right? Asking, seeking, and knocking. Knocking implies that there's something in the way, that there's a, a door that's closed, Knocking implies that there's an opportunity out there, but there's something that's got to be moved. So, what do you do? You got to knock on that door. You got to unlock the door. You got to turn the knob. You got to put a little effort in, and you got to move it out of the way, and you got to enter into a new place, a new position, right? There's effort involved. Everybody say, effort. There's something you got to do. Sometimes it's not just about praying a prayer. Sometimes it's not just words uttered on your knees. Sometimes it's okay, now I got to get up and I got to move some things around. Asking and see. The the word of seeking, Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Seeking means that something might be hidden. There's something in the way, it's buried somewhere, and you got to get up and you got to move things. You got to rearrange things. You got to sort through things, right? There's effort involved. So prayer is not just, you know, something that we do with words. Sometimes there's actions involved. Things in our lives we've got to change. Things we've got to move out of the way. People we've got to move out of the way. Places we've got to get out of or get into. Ways that we have to reposition ourselves or reposition people in our lives. Amen? Okay? This is what Jesus is talking about when he said, ask, seek, and knock. And this is what happens in the power of persistence and praying through. Sometimes it's not just praying through circumstances. Sometimes it's praying through the, own res- the resistance that exists in our own lives. How many know when you pray and fast, God does a work in- inside of you? How many have noticed that? Conviction comes, right? The voice of the Spirit dealing with us. God showing us things. Amen? Right? Praying through. Don't believe the lie that God doesn't care. Of course God cares. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is how God has given us access to Himself. And that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. John 14, 14. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we are acknowledging that Jesus is the one who gives us access to the throne of grace because of what he did on the cross. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're humbling ourselves and we're saying, it's not because I deserve it. It's not because I did anything. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because Jesus is my great high priest. Because Jesus gives me access to the throne of grace and mercy. Amen? So if you ever wonder whether or not God cares, look to the cross. Yes? Look to the cross. But not only the cross, He has also given us the Holy Spirit to help us when we pray. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now this scripture is not a promise that God will automatically make everything good in your life although that's how it's often used. Verse 28 says, God will work all things together for the good in the lives of those who are actively pursuing and praying the will and purpose of God into their lives. That's what's being said here in this scripture, right? When we are aligning ourselves with the purpose of God, when we are praying according to the purpose of God. Now, you might say, well, what about those times when you don't know what the will of God is in a situation? This is the power of being filled, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We can't always understand what the will of God is. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen? We see through a a glass darkly, the Bible says. But the Spirit of God in us does know the mind and the will of God. Let me remind you, we believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God manifested in three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The only way that we have relationship and connection to God is because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Amen? That Holy Spirit gives us connection to God. The Holy Spirit who lives in us knows what The will of God is. Amen. And the Spirit in us intercedes with, look at verse 26, with groanings, sounds, and syllables that cannot be uttered on our own. This is what we call speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. This is what we call the prayer language, praying in the Spirit. You can call it whatever you want, but basically it comes down to this. It is Holy Spirit-inspired prayer through which God enables us to pray according to His will. Amen? This is what we call a Pentecostal distinctive. When we say that we are a Pentecostal church, which we are, that's not a denomination, there's no such thing as a Pentecostal denomination. Being Pentecostal is an experience. It is something that we personally enter into, something that we believe God wants to provide to every person who is a Christ follower, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to overflowing with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we believe that that's biblical. Now, I know a lot of people today don't want to talk about that because it's too strange and it's too supernatural, but how many understand that our God is a supernatural God, and that the Holy Spirit is a supernatural being. Amen? And it's not, he's not so that you can just put in a little doctrinal box and just say, this is where I want it all to fit nice and neatly. The Holy Spirit has a way of blowing apart our nice little comfortable boxes. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's what we mean when we say we are a Pentecostal church. That we don't want to just fit God into our nice little routines, but that we want the Holy Spirit to come. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Like Acts chapter 2, where it says, when they were all together in one accord, there came from heaven the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them... The utterance. And how many know that the same God, we love that song, same God, right? But the same God who worked in the New Testament in that upper room is the God we serve today. The same Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you read the books of book of Acts, you will see it in Acts chapter 2, what I just quoted. You'll see it in Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius. You'll see it in Acts chapter 19. You'll see it also in Acts chapter 8, where Paul was be, uh, filled with the Spirit and later said, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. You'll see it in Acts chapter 9 in Samaria, where the Holy Spirit was given and there was physical evidence. Something happened, so much so that Simon the sorcerer was willing to offer money to get that gift. And you know what the evidence was that he saw? It was speaking in other tongues. It's biblical. It's biblical, church. Amen? And we're not afraid of it. We're not ashamed of it. And we're gonna ch- I'm going to challenge you to enter into the full experience that the Bible has for us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And God has given us his spirit to help make our prayers effective. Amen. Hallelujah. So I don't always know what to pray in my life. If I'm going through a crisis, a tragedy, I don't always understand what God's plan is. But when I pray in the Spirit, when I pray in the prayer language, when I pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying the will of God into my situation. Hello? I don't always know how to pray for my kids. We got five kids. We got... We got one in Pennsylvania, we got one in Georgia, we got one in Texas, we got, we got two in New York here, we got one in Kuwait, we got Pastor Dylan, we don't always know what to pray what they're going through, right? Amen. How many know? You don't know what, what's going on in your kids' lives. You don't always know what to pray for in your kids' lives. But when I pray in the spiritual language, I know that the Holy Spirit is praying the will of God into the lives of my kids. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. I don't always know how to pray for you. When I pray for our church and for the people of our church, I don't know what to pray for in your life. But when I pray in that prayer language, hallelujah, I know that the Holy Spirit is praying the will of God into your situation. Amen? Aren't you glad it's not just up to me to figure out how to pray for you? Aren't you glad that there's a Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that gives us the utterance with groanings that cannot be uttered in our human ability? Amen? Hallelujah. This is not just for the New Testament church. This is for us today. Amen? Let's not be like those that the Apostle Paul prophesied of in 2 Timothy 3.5. We said in the last days, perilous times will come, especially in the church, where there will be those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. There is a power that God has for you that He wants to put into your life. And that's the first thing that we're praying for in this 21 days of hunger. We have five things that I, I put up on the on the on the screen here. And the first one is that God will draw us closer to Him. God draws closer to You so that we can be led by Your Spirit. Amen? How many want that? God, I want to be led by Your Spirit. Amen? Yeah? Let's stand together. We want to pray for that. We want to pray for souls to be saved. Lost people in our community to come to Christ. We want to pray for the anointing of God In the house, in this house, that when we come together, we encounter the presence of the living God. When you bring your family, your friends, when you bring lost people to church, that they encounter the reality of a living God. Amen? Amen. Revival in our nation. What our nation needs will not be found in Washington, D.C. It will not be found in Albany, New York. What this nation needs will only come from heaven. Amen? Amen? And we need to pray that God will arise in our nation and that the enemy will be scattered. Because I'm telling you right now, the enemy has arisen in our nation and the voice of the church has been scattered. But we need a reversal. Amen? We need a reversal. And we need to pray for miracles in our midst. Whatever breakthrough you're believing God for, whatever turnaround you need in your life, in your family, in your health, in your business, in your finances, He is the God that still works miracles. Amen? 21 days of hunger, not for food, but for the will of God in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Lord, we're in, we're in the thick of it right now, 21 days of hunger. Day seven, Lord God. Day seven. Lord, we're not doing this to prove how spiritual we are. We're not doing this to say, Lord, see God, we deserve. We deserve you to answer. No, God, it's not about earning. It's not about deserving. We're doing this to humble ourselves before you. Lord, we're doing this to diminish our strength, to show you, Lord God, that we, be- we know we are weak and that what we need is your strength in our lives. What we need is for you to step in, to make a way where there is no way. Lord God, to bring a breakthrough, God. To turn things around, Lord God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up that other hand to the Lord. Lift that other hand to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, hear my cry. As I seek you, Lord God, these 21 days of hunger. Hear my cry, O God. Hear my prayer, O God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Come on, lift up those hands to the Lord. Let's take a moment. Let's worship the Lord in song. Eddie, would you lead us? Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Yes, we need a fresh wind. Yes, God. The fragrance of heaven. Yes, God. Pour your spirit out. My God. Pour your spirit out. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. A holy anointing. My God, my God the power of your presence yes pour your spirit, spirit out yes Lord pour your spirit, your spirit out, out. my need. God we need a fresh wind yes Lord yes, Lord. The fragrance of heaven yes Lord, yes, Lord. pour yes, Lord. your spirit out we need pour your spirit we're out we're hungry for you Lord. Lord hungry for you Lord to you God. Hour of your praise so We might be led Pour by you. your Spirit out. You're leading in our lives for your Spirit out. Yes Lord yes Lord yes Lord Oh your Spirit for your Spirit My God my God my God Lord, as we open the altars today to pray with those in need that Lord you would meet us here at this altar for those Lord who are desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit be baptized with the Holy Spirit we pray that you will meet us here at this altar Lord God Lord as we write these requests on these prayer boards we pray God that you will see the prayers of our hearts Lord God continue Lord to be attentive to our cries and our prayers during this 21 days of hunger. In Jesus' name, amen.